Hey, women in medicine, it's time for another Doctor Me First episode. This is a podcast all about authentic conversations between us, female physicians. And if you're new to the podcast, you should know that each guest has two criteria that they have to meet when they come on the podcast. One, they have to be an MD or DO. And two, they have to pick a word for which our conversation rolls around. So pretty strict criteria. No, not really. But through these conversations, I hope to bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. So no more feeling alone because you have found a community of true speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who are supporting one another. Again, I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, and this is episode number 24. In today's episode, I am talking with Dr. Sonel Patel, and her word is revolution. And why she brings this word, she'll explain a little more in our conversation, but she is doing some absolutely fabulous work around the revolution of postpartum care. Check the show notes for all of her links if you want to check out what she's doing and hang in there for that kick of encouragement after our conversation. Hey, it's Dr. Erin Wiseman back again for another wonderful interview. I have Dr. Patel with me today, and she is going to tell you all about herself. Hi, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, My name is Dr. Sonal Patel, and I am a pediatrician. I also trained as a neonatologist. Um, I am a mom of four boys. I married my college sweetheart, which has been an amazing journey. We're coming to I think close to 20 years now. Dang, girl! Oh, it's it's been really, it's been fun. Let's just put it that way. And um, my passion lies in um, revolutionizing the postpartum care in the United States. And that passion has been stemmed from both personal and professional experiences. Um, and that is now the next phase and mission of my life, I want to say. I love it. And before we hopped on the podcast, we were kind of touching base on that. And so we had to hurry up and get on record because, yeah, you've had four personal experiences and hundreds, if not thousands of professional experiences in your life. And I love this word. So our word today, everybody, is revolution. And I didn't know where she was going to go with it, but uh, I'm loving the direction of it all. So tell me why why the word revolution when you're talking about postpartum care or why you picked it for this interview? Right. Because it's a catchy word, right? Some, if something's a revolution, people will look at it more and give more credence to it than just saying that I want to change postpartum care. Because in our society, it is a revolution. It is going back to the fact that, listen, you just had a baby. Like you really physically just had a baby. So let's kind of step back and look at it into the big picture of it. And more and more, we're learning that there's so many changes that happen within not only pregnancy, but the postpartum period. And it affects the core of that family. If that mom is not able to breastfeed properly, that goes to her self-esteem, that goes through increasing postpartum depression. Um, there's so many hormonal changes that are happening during that time. And we just have to recognize that, that it is a revolution, is to revolution to look at it in a different lens and realize how important it is for just not that mom. But I mean, this sounds corny as it can be, but it's just been shown over and over again. You support the moms. You increase infant 
bonding, you increase infant and childhood development, and guess what? You increase a better society. It's it's as simple and straightforward as that. It's totally um, true. Absolutely true. That you know, and I've thought about this too, just like through my own personal selfish experience. You know, we get in that mentality of we can do all. But really, that postpartum, that first one, I can't remember, man, it smacked me upside the head. You know, we think as physicians, we know what to prepare for, for the, the uh, laboring, for the delivery, you know, breastfeeding, it's just supposed to happen. I mean, as I've mentioned before, as a family doctor, you know, I'm a card-carrying breast-is-best uh, physician, and none of that shit goes how it's supposed to go at all. And I almost feel like we're at a disadvantage because it's like, oh, well, you're a doctor. You got this. Yes. I just remember being a, my first one was in pediatric residency as a third year. And I just remember after having my baby to be like, oh my God, can I go back to all my patients and tell them the right advice rather than the generic, here's a textbook advice? Because I mean, I was a literally a fail at breastfeeding with my first one. And I'm a pediatric resident. I'm like you said, I was supposed to know this stuff. And no, it smacked me upside the head. And yeah. it, it, was, it was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I wish I could write thank you cards to all my patients to be like, I'm so sorry of all the bad advice I gave you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. If, yeah, exactly. I can think of some of the stuff that I said to people prior to becoming a mother myself. And I'm like, oh my God. I can't believe they continued to still see me after that. Exactly. Exactly. So, and then, you know, the next three, I had postpartum depression really badly with my second one. And so much so that I didn't even realize I was having it. And again, depression, I feel is a misnomer because you don't, I was, we're, as physicians, we're just type eight personality people. So Mm -hmm. in my head, I was checking all the boxes, but I wasn't engaged or connected with my world. And I actually went down to intermittent when I went back to work. And at this time, I was a NICU attending. And it took me a good year to finally commit to going back to my full or part-time position. And I didn't realize that within that year, how much, I guess, depression, anxiety, how much I had to change in order to be comfortable to going back to and, and really serving my patients the best that I could. You know, because I was dealing with so much. And yeah, I was that it took me eight months, literally, to get back to it. Yeah. Um, the third one, I had a lot of anxiety. And this is why I feel that depression is a misnomer. Because anxiety also is part of the depression aspect of it. And um, the fourth one is what really prompted me to reevaluate how we are handling postpartum care in the United States. Cause, um, it was my fourth. I mean, breastfeeding had been established. Now is a good pro at it. Um, I, he came early, so my family dynamic was a little different. They, I didn't, my family always comes out and helps me. I always have my village. But because of him coming early, planes, tickets were delayed and stuff like that. So long story short, I took my newborn two to three days after I came back in the hospital to a clinic visit. And I didn't see a provider, any types of providers. I just saw a nurse and they were basically like, oh, you don't have jaundice, go back. And I was floored because it was less than a 15-minute appointment. Just asked me how I was doing. And no, no, nothing else. Did you know how long it took me to get to that 15-minute appointment? It took me yeah. three hours. 
three hours because I had to drop my kids to school. Then I had to make sure that like it was timed well that I would nurse in between. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And you know, this day and age, I guess with the NICU lens that I have, and I'm not sure what the laws are in other states, but in, in Colorado, you have to have the congenital heart disease screening on the birth certificate. Like that's the law. The other thing is jaundice. And the reason most kids, majority of the kids have jaundice is because of breastfeeding issues, right? They're not being fed. And those things can go hand in hand. Everything just gets, goes hand in hand. Breastfeeding is so attached to a mom's, mom's identity when that baby is born that, um, if she feels like she's a failure at that, guess what? You have increased risk for postpartum depression. So anyways, long story short, reevaluated what this visit really was and said, why can we not bring it home? Like, why can we not provide comprehensive care for the first month at least and just bring it home? So that's what I founded. Um, it's a newborn specialty clinic. And we go out there. We see these babies two to three days post when they come home. So the medical visit is done because I'm the physician that goes out. Um, I do a lot of lactation. I just applied for my CLC as well. And um, so that's already embedded. And guess what? The last thing is that there's a lot of emphasis on self-care from just the get-go. Like, and so it is, it's rewarding because then, so they do that visit. Then they do another two-week visit because in the state of Colorado, we have to do a two-week newborn screen to come out and do that. And every mom, regardless of what she wants to do, if she wants to do one visit or two visits, she gets uh, at one month of counselor phone call, either from myself or one of my licensed counselors, just dedicated to her, you know. But we find that even when moms have a lot of circumstances that have been thrown at them, they're able to handle it because we've been supporting them for a month. So I just had this recent mom who, I mean, she called me because she wanted to be a better breastfeeder. That was her main goal. And I went and did her visit. Um, all our visits are 60 minutes too at the house, which is awesome because then you can actually give advice that is like pertinent and customized to what they need as opposed to generic advice to be like, do right. this way or that way. Um, anyways, her baby, I had to be readmitted for jaundice um, the levels were just too high, needed phototherapy. And she was a NICU nurse, the mom was. Um, and then go and behold, the baby has all these other issues that came forward. Now it's on oxygen and mom comes home and, you know, is not seeing a pulmonologist. By this time, care has been transitioned to their pediatrician because I only see them for a month. And then we transition care after that. Um, her husband's ID gets, um, stolen and all of this stuff is thrown at her and it's like but when we do the edinburgh and when we do the continuing screening she got just additional screening because of her situation and that's a beauty of it too because i can kind of cater that also like i don't have to sit i don't have to be like i can tailor it the way i want to tailor it because i'm charging for my time and i know what my value of my time is and it's not insurance based so i i don't i don't feel that pressure but she came out of it as a champ and she's still coming out of it as champ because guess what? She's breastfeeding her baby exclusively and we met her primary goal and now she can handle all the other stuff that's come through. So um, yeah, just going back to the word as revolution that we just have to rethink how we're treating. And it's a month. A month is what we're asking for. Hopefully more. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, 
have a good foundation. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That, that. It's so amazing to hear just how you have taken your art of medicine and just hearing you speak about it. You can tell that there's so much energy and you're just so empowered because it truly is. I mean, that they talk about the golden hour after birth, that first month, that's the golden month because you're so right because so many things can go wrong, but so many things can go right and be beautiful as well. Whenever people aren't moved through like cattle through the office. I mean, I can't, I can think of how many people had just loved their baby and like getting that, that, um, discharge appointment was like freaking pulling teeth, you know, from their new, um, attending or, or whoever is going to assume care. And I know it's because they're so busy and I know it's because the model, but how much beautiful that you took a problem and found a solution that both works for your life and your practice and is probably the best ultimate care for these mommies and babies. Yeah. You know, but that's also a challenge too. And that's where the revolution comes. It took me about three to four years to really shed that idea of traditional medicine woman. Mm -hmm. Mm, yes girls preach it I know what you mean <laughs> I mean that's a revolution in thinking too like I mean we all start off in med school we all think my my both parents are physicians too and so my mom's like my mom's still practicing she has her private practice she's family med and so is my dad and that was your traditional medicine right you went to med school you did your residency you got your job and you were in it forever forever that there's your shingle you put it out <laughs> and I mean, it's so awesome to see so many women, especially women, because you know what they're, and I, I read this somewhere that somebody had said, oh, why does a woman put how many children she has on her CV? And it was, it was like, oh, a man might never do that. Yeah, because a man doesn't handle the household, you know, and it, that is important. That is, that is showing what she's capable of. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a revolution. It took me three to four years to shed that thing about be like, no, I, I don't think I want to be in the ICU for the rest of my life. Or I don't think I want to go to a brick and mortar. I, I don't want to get in that cycle. And how can I break from it? Yeah. You know? it's, and and it's so much of the battle is here in your head. That I know that as, um, so I do life coaching. And so as I'm coaching other women that I have to relay my stories of that because somewhere we have embedded in our brain and like really sutured it in good that how much of our identity is placed in our work and how much of our worth is placed in our work when that's why I find it so encouraging when I hear stories that you're sharing too, that you're like, Hey, it was a struggle and now I'm doing it differently and it's okay. You know, it, it, it but it is a struggle to get past that. I don't know if it's the whole like fish trying to um, swim upstream type of analogy or or getting over those thoughts of like, what will other people think of me or exactly what it is. But I know that that is a huge, not just stumbling block, stumbling wall for most women in medicine. And then it's also like the thing is like, once you've had kids, it's 
oh, either you want to be a mom or you want to be a working professional, but you can't really be both. And you're like, no, but those are all my choices. And that's what makes me me. And yeah, I might not be the best mom, but hey, my kids are happy. My kids are alive and they eat healthy food and I get to spend one-on-one time with them. Um, and that's a reward in itself, but that should not take away from the fact that I want to be a working mom and I'm a physician too. It's all part of my identity. And I think over time, we just need to embrace that, that it's yeah. okay to have all these roles that you play and it's okay to accept them, I guess. Well, I think too, like we were talking about before, like I had the false illusion that at, like when I was pregnant with my first one, I was like, oh, just another line to add to the list, mom, when really it shook up the whole list. And it's something that we don't do well in education. Um, as female mentors to younger female medical students or residents that your equation is totally changed. Like you went from a plus B equals C to now you got some square roots, some fractions, you know, some crazy calculus just jumped into your equation and you don't figure that out until you're like halfway already into it, that the game has changed and it has changed drastically. And I think that kind of goes back to having like that, the self-awareness that I think a lot of us, I know I personally lack it and did lack it for years to be like, what's really important in my life now, instead of staying fixed in the past and saying, okay, being a doctor was really important to me in the past or being a doctor in this capacity, like just separating it out and saying, what is really important to me in this moment right now? Right. I mean, and, and it can change. And that's the beauty of it and the, the acceptance of it. Um, when you were talking, it reminded me of one episode when I was a NICU fellow at, um, in Boston. And my, my husband's a physician, too, so we're both out there doing fellowship. Um, we just had one child at that time. And circumstances happened. I had to go get a really sick baby. And my husband was in um, surgery. And it's like 5 o'clock, daycare is going to close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So got my tribe to go pick up my child while I'm on the ambulance running to go get this. And, you know, so, but it's, it's just a, so in that moment, what I needed was to make sure my child was okay. When that was checked off in the second moment was, okay, now I can be a physician. And when you talked about like the moments, what you need right then and there to make sure that things are going okay. And be open to fluidity and be open to the change of it. Um, because yeah, you, you wanted to be a doctor. You are a doctor. Like nobody's going to take that away from you. It's like how you want to add to it. And so, and don't beat yourself up about the changes. Yes. I think we are our worst critics at times. Yes. yes. Oh my God. I went through a lot of beating up. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is this going to work out at the end? And that's the thing too. Like when you step out to do something on your own, like medicine is a track where everything's laid out to you and you're just so used to that pattern that it's just, right. It's just like A to B to C to D. You did this, you did this, you checked it off that when life throws curveballs at you, you don't know, you're not able to handle the changes. And that's where I think you had alluded to with the mentors coming in because I, I guarantee you, I know a couple of physicians, women physician who were my mentor who had miscarriages you know, and it's like, like life does throw you curveballs mm-hmm. and how to handle those kind of situations or women who thought they 
were marrying the right person and they were going to live their lives out and now they're cheating on them. And it's like, I feel like medicine sometimes is too laid out, <laughs> too formula based that we get so, because we spent what, like what, four years of, no, four years of college, four years of medical school and then residency. So that's at least 11 years in a regimented state, especially in our 20s and 30s where we we aren't able to discover ourselves just because we're so regimented. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and then you get out yeah. into practice and you got to figure all that shit out. So you got to hire a life coach <laughs> or become a life coach. <laughs> exactly. Or go to the target aisle and be like, okay, what are all these baby supplies? That they're <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's the beauty of life. That's one huge lesson. Uh, 2016, I take from 2016 that I learned is that life is a journey. It is not the destination. Because for so long, I looked at my life at like summoning a mountain. You know, I finished residency. I was on the top of that mountain. And then when I got out, it was like, oh, shit, I climbed the wrong mountain. <laughs> really, I didn't. It was just a part of the journey. But that's what I think we need to keep reinforcing to ourselves, to our trainees, to our colleagues that you just don't make it. You just don't get there. And then it's like easy peasy done. It, you just, you keep moving, you keep growing, you push into new avenues that maybe you didn't even see five years ago. But if you continue to follow that and you don't stay stasis, don't stay static. Wow. It's powerful and it's fun. And you can always go back to medicine. I think yes. that's the beauty of it too. Like, um, I've been doing, so I opened, so I left the NICU two years ago. Um, and then I did a lot of lactation last year just to figure out also that I had never practiced as a private pediatrician. I just wanted to know the lay of the land in Denver because out of fellowship, that was my first job. So I didn't right. really know the area, um, that well. And in February started the newborn specialty clinic. And one of my friends actually needs help during the cold and flu season. So I'm going to go work in the clinic for a couple of days a week. And yeah. that's fine because that's, it's kind of cool that you can, you can go back to being a doctor in that capacity because it's, there's always a need. Um, my husband said something really interesting yesterday to my son who is debating what he wants to do in his future. Um, he said, listen, being a doctor, if you want to do that, do it because from that point you can do whatever you want. A businessman can't go back and be like, I'm a doctor, but guess what? Physicians can be like, I'm business women, you know? And I think yeah. that's so much, so empowering to be like, Hey, I have the foundation that I can go do whatever I want. And if I want to open a business, I'm going to go open a business because I'm capable of learning stuff. So, right. And it's always, you know, I read a lot of like business books and you know, they always say like, don't have a fallback, but you know, in our type A brains, I feel like that's almost necessary to at least to be like, all right, at least if I follow my face and this all falls apart, I can get hired somewhere. My husband tells me that all the time. He's like, Aaron, there's a doctor shortage. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, but that is totally fine. Like, look how many years we spend dedicated to our craft that so we should not be feeling that we're giving it up. Like again, like going through the whole three to four years process, like I'm not giving it up. I'm just changing it and revolutionizing it the way I want to do it. But Hey, you know what? 
I do have the cushion. If even if I didn't want to go traditional medicine, I could take my skills to a third world country and I'd be I'd be welcomed. And guess what? I could go experience another culture. Yeah. And why not? You spent eleven plus years dedicated to this, and most of your twenties and thirties. Why not take advantage of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always impart with people, you are both a work in progress and a masterpiece and that you just remember. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, awesome. If our listeners want to more, want to know more about you, Dr. Patel, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you or check out what you're doing? Sure. Um, so my website is Naya care. That's N A Y A C A R.org. Um, and that's just the clinic. The Facebook page is, I think, Naya Care Colorado. And I think there'd be more enlightened with my Instagram page. Um, I welcome all stories if any moms are out there. My Instagram page is Naya Care, N A Y A C A R E. And why I am so in love with it is um, if anybody is a huge fan of Humans of New York, I am a huge fan of that. That um, I emulated him and I did what is called Amma Chronicles. Amma means mother in Hindi. And so these are just pregnancy and postpartum stories from moms who live them. I have a couple of dad stories in there too. And the stories have been from brief, funny to the most gut-wrenching, emotional one. Um, one of my favorites that we just did recently, and this is it speaks volumes to motherhood, I think, is um, when the Kavanaugh trial was going on, regardless of what side you were on, one of the moms had reached out to me um, stating how difficult breastfeeding was for her because she had been sexually abused as a child. And I think those are the type of stories that people forget. Um, and so we featured her for a week, her baby, and her baby was a boy as well. So it was a lot of hurdles for her to get over in order to do what's maternally instinctually that I want to breastfeed my child, but with this childhood trauma. So it's a gamut of things. And I would just, if any listeners out there would like to share their stories, it can be as anonymous as, or as open as they want. Um, I think we each have a story and I just, I will randomly go up to people and say, Hey, you're pregnant, share me your story. And I just am floored with how many diagnosis that I've come across that I would never have guessed that this mom was going through. So that's amazing. Well, I love your work. We will share it all in the show notes for our listeners. And I just greatly appreciate you getting on this podcast with me today. Thank you so much for the platform. It's really nice to have someone so mutually encouraging and um, getting physician voices out there. So thank you for the platform. You're totally welcome. So many great tidbits of wisdom from that conversation. I just take so much from Dr. Patel and I appreciate her telling us about her revolution and evolution into what she's doing. Okay, so now today for a kick of encouragement. I am a sappy poet at heart. I don't know if you all know that about me, but I wrote this poem a couple years ago to all my mom, best friend, doctor friends, and I want to share it with you today because I think it's pertinent to the conversation we just had. So it's titled, Better Support Than a Sports Bra. Saw you on my feed today. Cute pictures of the kids, by the way. But hey, I'm worried, friend. It was the comment towards the end. Not the going crazy or the thoughts of being lazy. Instead, I caught a hint of despair 
like you're falling beyond repair. Work seems to be kicking you right in the face, sad because you used to love that place. Endless shifts are starting to wear. Attitudes have changed to, I just don't care. The kids I can tell are your pride and joy, and hey, it's okay to go psycho when you step on that toy. You give them your all, your complete self, be it the clothes, sports equipment, or that stupid elf. He looks to you, he looks to be helping in all he can do, but your hubby is reaching his limit, just like you. He too has been playing this game as a pawn. Remember, he still loves, even if the intimacy's gone. I know you're wary, drained, and spent. It feels like all for nothing but one extra cent. Our fears of getting old are coming up true. Saggy here, gray there, and extra support panties too. I must be delusional from hearing the show a million times of Elsa singing Let It Go. But maybe the Ice Queen isn't just a pest. It's time to stop stressing and look how we're blessed. I'm here for you. You are not alone. Please, when you're ready, blow up my phone. We can talk about anything or nothing at all. Just know that I'm waiting to hear you call. You're a beautiful, charming, sassy, and downright sweet. It's just time to get you back up on your feet. You are not weak or inadequate for asking, no ma'am. We all have some problems with our house, our life, our fam. You don't have to be isolated anymore. Let me know how I can help and I'll be at your door. I'm here and ready to join in your plight. Just send me a message when the time seems right. May the coffee and wine never run dry. Together we'll always yak, laugh, and cry. I'll be praying for your skies to start turning to blue because at my wit's end, I know you would have done it for me too. So I hope you enjoy this poem. It's absolutely written for you too. And please know if you need that support that's better than a sports brawl, please, please, please reach out. In the show notes, there's a way to sign up for a call with me because I'm always willing to talk to any and everybody. So my friend, hang in there and remember, your life, your calling, your pulse truly does matter.